Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I am joined once again by my friend Nick. What's up, man? My long-lost friend Cam. How are you? Uh, I am I'm good. I'm glad that we have subdued our schedules and have found a time where we can finally get together. It has been... Uh, Quite a long time since our last episode, but you know this is a very busy time of the year. So yeah, that's totally my. It is what it is. Totally my fault. My bad. Well, no, it's partial. One week was my fault. I got sick. So that's that's you know it's not all your fault, Nick. Yeah, my my job and working in college, uh, student life. August is definitely the the uh, the prime time of the year. It's it's go time at that point. So. Thank you for your patience and understanding. We uh, we got another big week here, and then September will be back to normal, and coincides well with the the closing of a, another exciting baseball season. Yes, exciting indeed. We're going to look at uh, our preseason predictions for the divisions and see where we stand. And uh, <laughs> 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 exciting might be a word for how uh, how my picks went. But anyways, before we get to that, we do have some news to cover. Uh, Our last episode was right like the day before the trade deadline. So uh, obviously a lot has happened since then. There was a lot of trades that we didn't even get to talk about on the show. But I don't think we necessarily have to cover that because that's old news. (laughs) Three weeks. Yeah, three week old news. Yeah. So we're not going to we're not going to cover that. Uh, But um, you you have written something in the show note, Nick, that uh, that disturbs me greatly. Uh, John Carlo may be out for the year. Yeah, John Carlo Stanton. So he <clears throat> he well, it's interesting too because he plays for the Marlins, and they they kind of speaking of the trade deadline. If you remember, they made several trades where it was kind of perceived that they had given up a little bit more than um I don't know they had overpaid in a sense uh, to get some pitching because they were. And they still are in the thick of the wild card chase, uh, but losing him is a pretty big blow to their odds of of that because you know he's he's one of the premier power hitters of the game in the middle of that lineup. You know they still have a good lineup, but he's their leader. He's the guy that's making the cash money on that team. So he they've had some other injuries too with. Uh, a few other pitchers, um, Adam Conley just recently went on the DL. And they've been working with any limits with Fernandez because he's, he's their prized arm and they're still in a pr- trying to protect him. So they've had a rush, rough stretch here the past week or so. But he had a grade three, which is, I think, the worst medical-wise. Grade one, two, and three. Three is the worst. Um, grade three uh, groin strain. So that cannot that's no good cannot feel good. <laughs> so the estimates on his uh, return were around six weeks or so, you know, and a good if everything goes well, which would be right at the end of the season. So initially they weren't optimistic at all that he would be back this year, but you know he's he's a little bit more optimistic. Obviously, as a player, he he thinks he can come back faster than than that, which I just I just don't see it. He's this is the I think the third year in a row now that he's been hurt around this time of the year. 
a couple years ago, I think it was a hamstring last or what in one of those two years, a hamstring, one of the, one of the two years he got hit in the face with the baseball, which wasn't necessarily his oh, fault. I remember that. That was, yeah, it like shattered his face. And that's a big reason why he wears, he wears this, um, face guard on his helmet now, but yeah, growing strain, that's, that's going to affect I mean, if he comes back, that's going to affect your power. It's like, you know, your the growing core area all has to do with, you know, when you swing as hard as he does, you got to rotate and that's puts a lot of stress on that area. So that's a bummer. I mean, it's a bummer for baseball. I always love watching his majestic Titanic blast. He hit one in Colorado before he got hurt that, you know, Colorado has a pretty massive outfield seating section and it was like at the very top of that it was well over 500 feet just bomb so that it's disappointing hurts the marlins chances a lot this year so ichiro is going to play a lot more as a result of this but uh ichiro 42 year old ichiro is not a john carlos stan unfortunately no but the man knows how to hit the baseball so you may, what you lose in power you pick up and hopefully Base hits. Which, speaking of Ichiro, since the time last time we recorded, he did get his 3,000th Major League Baseball hit. He had, you know, over a thousand in Japan. So it's a pretty cool accomplishment, considering he came over when he was 27 to uh, have reached 3,000 hits. Because I mean, he he had several of those years where he hit. He had like 250 hits in a year, which is pretty hard to do. But yeah, really impressive accomplishment, and you know he's still he's still contributor, and I don't know if he over the course of an entire season would be able to hold up at for as frail and old as he is. But he in small spurts, he's he's a, definitely a good addition to a good baseball team. Yeah, good on him for doing that. That's very. Very impressive. Uh, and the Marlins are only a game and a half out of the wild card right now. So, yeah, losing losing a guy like Stanton and then having pitching injuries, that's they're so close. but They're close, but the Dodgers, Cardinals are ahead of them. And um, Pirates are right behind them. You know, the National League, which we'll talk about, it's starting to become a little clearer. The... Uh, Especially in the even the wild card, you know, I think they're we're down to a couple teams, uh, or like four teams for two spots. But yeah, they definitely are still there. It kind of depends, I guess, on if they can get their pitching back and healthy, and if they can string some wings uh, wins together. Uh, but yeah, they're right there. But we'll see how they hold up over the next six weeks without Giancarlo. Indeed we shall. All right. Other news, Nicholas. What is what is worthy of our listeners to hear? Well, there's that was obviously there's a lot that goes on in three weeks during a baseball season, but I felt that it would be pertinent to bring up the season that Mookie Betts is having. So Mookie Betts, all-star Mookie Betts, which I believe he made your personal all-star team as well. But he Indeed. he has been amazing this year, and you know he was good coming into the year. But he's definitely taken the next step as far as being an elite elite baseball player in the same you know breath as 
I would argue, as Mike Trout and, and Bryce Harper. But he is, uh, his, he's had a really good um, August in just season in general. Um, power, speed, getting on base, playing good defense. It's interesting because he, he came up as a second baseman. Um, not a, you know, super, you know, he had a lot of tools that people, especially prospect people, knew about him. But he was a guy that he, you know, he always had pretty high averages, got on base a lot in the minors, but he's really blossomed. And he's playing right field for the, the Red Sox, so kind of a position that profiles is up. You know, you need, most teams use power hitters there. But he, yeah, he's at the, at this moment in time, he has uh, 28 home runs, um, almost 90 uh, RBIs, 19 steals. He's hitting uh, 316, getting on base 356 for a 920 OPS. So that's it's pretty amazing for a guy that's just entering his second, you know, full year of, um, you know, playing in Boston. That's a tough place to play. There's a lot of expectation there. He's not a he's not a super big guy. Um, he's five nine, one eighty. You know, not also not a guy that you would think of as a you know profile right hit right field hitter. But the guy the guy almost has a thirty home run, twenty stolen base season with a week left in August. So he could definitely creep up into the you know thirty five home run, thirty stolen base season, which is and over hundred RBIs for sure. Over hundred RBIs. He's got ninety eight runs. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. And he's his defense has been very. Good. He's a true. He's a true five, five tool type player. So I mean, you know something else, Nick? Yeah, he's on my fantasy team. He is on your fantasy team. I've enjoyed that very much. We yeah, we haven't talked in a while, but you, all your highly touted prospects have gotten called up here recently. I know Benintendi and Swanson. Mm-hmm. So the Argyle Sox are feeling pretty good about the fu- next year. The, fu- the future is bright, Nicholas. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. That's my only comment. Is the future is bright because I get to keep all of those young guys at very, very, very affordable positions in the draft for next year. So I, I'm I'm where I figured I would be, middle of the pack this year, um, and I'm okay with that. That's kind of what my goal was for the season based on what I had and how many prospects I had on my bench that weren't even in the league. But hopefully next year I'll get up into the uh, playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's the goal for next season. Just get better each year. Yeah, your your future is bright, especially if you have Mookie Betts. But he's always a guy, like, since I I follow the minor leagues, I kind of knew who he was. But it's kind of been amazing to see him blossom into what he is now, you know, he's only 23 years old. Um, doesn't turn 24 until uh, early October. So, I mean, on one hand, the Red Sox are not a team that necessarily needs uh, um, a, young, a good young player that they can control for multiple years when they can just go out and buy whoever they want. But, yeah, it must be a nice luxury for them to have. And then you got you got uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. who's having an amazing year. He's a phenomenal uh, center fielder. And then you just bring up Andrew Benintendi, who was drafted last year, and it's just pretty much mashed to every single minor league stop. And he is mashing in his short minor or 
major league stint so far. So they're gonna uh, they're gonna be scoring some runs this year and then in the future for them, which it's always been in the recent past has been if they can find a pitcher, which they they gave that massive contract to David Price to, but he's been pretty pedestrian this year, and they don't really have a ton of guys outside of that, so they ever f- uh, figure the pitching part of that out, watch out. Well, here's what I can tell you. That's not Dombrowski's strong suit. <laughs> that is true. He he seemingly, well, I mean, that's, if you're him, do you trade, like, especially if Jose Fernandez is even somewhat available this offseason, do you trade, you know, Moncada, their number one prospect, pretty much anyone else they want for a guy like that? I would think about it. I don't know. Because, I mean, you know, I just, only... to me, Dombrowski has proven over the years he's with the Tigers that he cares more about outscoring people than he does about actually pitching. Oh, and so. that's what they're they're going to be doing. But, I mean, their pitching is, they don't really have a ton outside of um, what they've got now. So, we shall see. Indeed. Is there any other news that we should cover, sir? Um, I I think that those are the two big things. Obviously, as we get back in the swing of things, we'll we'll cover the news more in depth. But a lot of the trades, you know, we had talked about Jay Bruce did get traded uh, to the Mets. Um, so that was a good thing for the Reds. We got a young guy back, second baseman, who came up for the Mets as a twenty-year-old, and a lot of people were not very happy that uh, Dilson Herrera is his name. Uh, they're not very happy they traded him because he was kind of seen as their future. And Jay has struggled a little bit since they've been over there, so I do feel bad for him. And the Mets have kind of kind of tanked since the trade deadline. They don't really look <laughs> their playoff chances don't look too good. But there were, there were a lot of a lot of big deals that went down um, that last day. So you know, Lucroy, I think he was the big other piece that we had talked about that. Uh, almost went to the Indians, but then he vetoed that trade, and he ended up going to the Rangers. So they added to their already potent offensive lineup, and they kind of had a black hole catcher. So he's, you know, he's a good defensive catcher too. So that was a pretty good trade for them. Um, but yeah, those are those are a couple of the big trades that went down on on deadline day. It was a lot of fun. Probably enjoyed that a little too much. <laughs> just you know, just following that in general, like it was. The the Reds Bruce trade there was a, a medical holdup so the the news had kind of broke that morning that it had happened but we didn't hear until almost the deadline with the final that it had actually gone through so that was a little nerve wracking but yeah the so the Yan- like everyone kind of lauded the Yankees as the big winners because they they stocked up on some talent and they've actually since they traded. The Andrew Miller and Chapman, they brought up a couple of their young prospects, Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge, and they've they've actually been playing pretty well. Um, they're seven and three in their last ten games. They're four games above five hundred. They're not making the playoffs this year, but the uh, I made some tweet about this because you know the the they just kept making all these like 
what was perceived as great trades, and it was just like, finally, a team like the Yankees, you know, can catch a break and uh, make some good <laughs> trades. They've had such a, you know, tough, tough franchise history, so I'm glad that things are working out for them. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a good reminder, like, you know, pundits will laud certain trades over over others, but you just don't really know until two, three, four years down the road when... I mean, a lot of these highly touted prospects may never turn out to be to be much, and then all these accolades don't really mean as much. But I can understand that as a fan, it, it brings—I'm sure—it brings a lot of excitement to them and kind of rekindled some hatred of the Yankees that was always been there. But since they've been so bad, I haven't necessarily had to worry about. But we kind of talked about—you know—there's a lot of good free agents coming up in a couple years, and. You know, they, they just outright released A-Rod to shares retiring, so they're going to have a ton of a ton of money off the books, and they're going to make a big run at those guys. So they, uh, they're working to build a, an Uber team in a couple years to where they're dominating baseball is the plan, I guess. We'll see if that happens. I think that'll be fun to watch if it does. Just Just for the pure... Uh, like '90s esque hatred of the Yankees by everyone. <laughs> yeah, like the evil empire will have will have uh, arrived yet again, and I think that'll that'll just be fun, especially because they already get like every Sunday night baseball game, anyways. But when that happens, and they stock their team up like that, you know they're going to be on TV every chance they get, which is only going to fuel the fire of everyone outside of New York to hate them, which is just going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean it's good for. I think it's for the business of sports. It's always good to have your premier franchises doing well, and you know I, there is something to like. Yeah, having the twenty, twenty-eight, twenty-nine other teams um, hate the Yankees. I mean, there may be a few teams that are fans that just don't care. I don't know because they never play them. But you know, I remember the mid-nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, it just seemed like everyone, if you weren't a Yankees fan, you just hated them because. They're the evil empire. They have all the money. They can get whoever they want. It just seems like most other teams are playing with a a shorter deck. But I think baseball is definitely designed better with the draft and controlling of players to still have a decent amount of parity. Because, I mean, you can sign guys to massive contracts, and that's fine. But more more often, they're the same as they do work out. They You know, they don't. You can... The recent history is littered with, you know, big signings by the Red Sox um, of like Pablo Sandoval and um, I mean that worked out. Yeah, well. they're just countless players that signed big deals and you know David Price last year he signed a massive deal and he he's been all right. He's not been terrible by any stretch, but he's not. Um, he's been an elite pitcher this year. So I mean it. Teams still have to draft well. It's not. Um, I don't think the the player acquisition and it's a different um, system than when they were just dominating for a long time. And I think that's a big reason why the Yankees sold because they realized they can't just sign free agents like they used to. Because uh, you know, team. I mean, baseball's doing well. Teams have money; they can keep their premier guys that they, you know, one or two of those guys that they want. Like even the Reds one of the smaller market teams were able to keep Joey Votto and um, 
be able to keep him from hitting the market. So it's good. It's interesting for the sport. Like I'm all, I want baseball to be healthy. Yeah, and I think the fact that the Royals have been so good these last three seasons is yeah. proof that this is the system has changed because they were always a team. They were awful were always, for decades, but but they always had great prospects. But they always had to trade them for more prospects because they couldn't afford to pay what teams like the Yankees were paying. Because like there was at one point where they had uh, Johnny Damon, uh, Jermaine Die, mm-hmm. and Carlos Beltran in their outfield. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they, uh, I mean, those those three guys all had very, very good careers, mm-hmm. but they were all for teams that weren't Kansas City, <laughs> right? I mean, they they just they would have the prospects, they just couldn't keep them. And now, because you know, whether you know times have changed or uh, as you said, the system allows teams to keep the players longer, they've been able to put together a really solid core of young guys that they can afford to keep, and they won a World Series, which is just you know, no one would have guessed that was going to happen, but. Yeah, people get paid a lot of money, and you know they get smarter, they adapt. I think the smaller market teams realized that they needed to pour more resources and do better at drafting, and spend money, you know, acquiring good talent, young talent that they could control, instead of trying to play the free agency game with the big boys, where you know if you miss or um, things don't work out, then you're you're not, you're you're hamstrung for a long time. So I think teams are just better evaluating talent and, you know, even, you know, you look at teams like the Diamondbacks who I think they're probably known as more the, one of the more old school type front offices for, you know, they've, they've kind of traded away their, their young prospects the last few years and just terrible deals, two of, two of which to the, the Braves where they traded Dansby Swanson and Tukey Toussaint. You know, guys that, you know, it's kind of funny because they traded Swanson, who is now in the majors for Shelby Miller, who's been so awful that he got demoted and he's in the (laughs) minors. So that just looks really bad. But you can't, if you're, you just cannot trade your young, good prospects. Um, And it's just so risky because now, you know, they spent all that money on Greeky. He's been awful. They've traded all their good minor leaguers away. So they just have... They're just going to be bad for a while. I feel really bad for Diamondbacks fans. But that's an example of maybe not being wise with your resources and depending on one good player like Grinky to turn your season around. That's just not how baseball works. But yeah, definitely. It's fascinating. It's easy for us to, um, you know, judge those decisions after the fact. But... <laughs> it didn't that's what we're here for it Nick. didn't that's seem wise for. for the Diamondbacks a team that was you know maybe they thought that he was the missing piece but now coupled with his massive deal and not having good young players to come up they're kind of stuck in the uh, between a rock and a hard place yeah well I think it's time to embarrass me, Nick. We're going to go over uh, our preseason picks for uh, winners of each division um, to see how well we did. And I'm not looking forward to this. And then we're going to make uh, picks on who we think is going to finish the season in the wild card for the American and the National League. Sound good? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the season is not over yet. So I I understand, but... we. We don't have to take the 
the bullet yet. I mean, we could still. No, but well, we can at least load the gun. <laughs> the, one of our teams could go on a massive, like a massive winning streak here and make us look like geniuses. But true, yes. There we've got we've got about six weeks of the season left, and uh, it, well, I we made these picks. So we made these picks in February. So this yes, was episode one. This was six episode months one. ago. So this is yeah, quite a bit of time here. We'll see how we did. So I picked uh, the American League teams, and in the AL East, I remember uh, switching back and forth between the Yankees and the Red Sox. I wound up choosing the Yankees to win the AL East, and currently that is not going to happen considering they're in fourth place in the AL East behind Toronto, Boston, and Baltimore. But Six and a half they're only, back. They're only four games out of the wild card. Mm-hmm. And because those three teams are all ahead of them, if they can sweep a series against one of those teams, then all of a sudden that race becomes a lot tighter. So yeah, so yeah, their chances of them winning the division not great, but they're only four games out of the wild card, which that's striking distance in my book. Um, but if you also look, you've got one, two, three, four, five teams that are all within five games, or yeah, all, all within five games of the wild card of the American League. So you've got seven teams fighting for two spots. Yeah, the American League wild card is going to be a fun race to the end for those reasons that you just said. And it, what's super annoying about it is that the Tigers have, are three and seven in their last 10. And everyone yeah. else in that list is doing really well. That is, they've kind of picked a tough stretch to go in a little bit of a funk. Yeah. Speaking of those Tigers, I picked them to win the American League Central. That was a total homer pick. Yeah, which but I thought, you acknowledged at the I th- time. Yeah, and I did, and, but I also thought, you know, it's not a crazy pick. It's not like I was assuming the Diamondbacks were going to win the, you know, the West because they're my favorite team. They're not. Like, I genuinely thought the Tigers had a chance to win the, win the division. Um, they don't because Cleveland's very good this year. Um, but the Tigers are only three, and even even though they're three and seven in their last ten, they're still only three and a half games out of the wild card. Um, so they're definitely not going to win the the Central. But again, they're within striking distance. So I'm over two so far. Uh, out in the AL West, I chose the Houston Astros, who started off the season just terrible. Just, just so, so bad, um, but have bounced back, and they're only four and a half games out of the wild card. Um, they're definitely not going to catch Texas, though. They're ten games behind Texas, so I think it's a theme here, Nick. All, of, all of my picks are close, but no cigar at this point. Uh, and then the wild card, I picked Boston Red Sox and the Kansas City Royals. So the Red Sox are in the wild card right now. So I went one for five in my picks at this point in the season. A a a massive twenty percent. All those all those teams have winning records. The Royals are on a seven game winning streak, so they're right back in discussion. So don't don't be too hard on yourself. No, I know it's just. Looking at it, it's like all the picks I made made sense when I made them. It's just really, to me, it's frustrating that they're all so stinking close. But none of them are right except for one. So I, <laughs> That's the annoying part. I did the American League as well. Um, I picked 
the East. I picked the Red Sox. So we're we're right there. That's gonna be a fun race between the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Orioles. They're all right there. I picked the Indians in the Central. I remember this was I felt pretty confident that uh, because when we you know we went through those pitching rotations and bullpen top fives, I had them both in there because I, I knew I figured their pitching would carry them, but their their offense has been there too. So that pick is actually looking looking at least like I follow baseball a little bit and um, what's up with some of my individual picks that I botched, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And then I as well went the Astros in the West. That was the trendy pick that they just got off to such a slow start and they have they went on a little streak there but then they've uh kind of went back to the pack but they're still right there as well for the wild card and then i went with the royals and rangers so looks like the rangers are probably going to win the west and then yeah we'll see if the royals can continue to make a push here so with the east or the uh, National League, sorry. Uh, in the East, I picked the Mets. So probably should have went with my gut there and went Nationals because they're obviously the best team in that division. The Mets are currently a game under 500 and behind the Marlins. So that's a little shocking. They have really, really come back to earth this year after that magical run last year. Which kind of makes you wonder if it was just a kind of a fluke or if... This is kind of who they are outside of their their young stud pitching staff. But they they kind of look done. I would be surprised if they make a run. So that's that's probably going to be one that I missed. Um, and the Central, the Cubs, that was pretty easy. They made everyone look smart with the, that pick. They have a nice 13-game cushion <laughs> in late August. That's going to be tough to blow. And then... The West, I had the Giants, so they're still neck and neck with the Dodgers, although the Dodgers have been charging hard and the Giants have been really struggling since the All-Star break. So that could go either way. And then wild cards, I went Pirates and Cardinals. So the Cardinals are, I think, in the second wild card spot at the moment um behind the Dodgers but that's the Dodgers are right there with the the Giants and the the Pirates are two games back but I will say I've been pretty disappointed by the the Pirates this year they've been very and you know as an analyst I would say as a Reds fan I've been kind of it's been kind of funny they've been they've looked very average and they they're just not a team that I'm super concerned about like I would be with the Cubs in the future you know they got they got some good young prospects but they're pretty they're right they've been hovering right around 500 pretty much all year you know they're a half game behind the Marlins but for the it's kind of looking like between I still have a ton of faith in the Pirates or Marlins so it kind of looks like whoever doesn't get the West um, and the Cardinals it'll kind of be between those those three teams for those, um, so yeah, those three teams for those three spots. Whoever doesn't win the West is probably going to be the first wild card, and with the Cardinals second, kind of seems to be my prediction at this point. So, yeah, besides the Mets, I'm looking okay, but we will see.
All right. I think, yeah, it's safe to say that uh, we're close. <laughs> we No team except for me picking the Mets is under 500 that we picked, right? Yeah, and they're all within striking distance. So and even the Mets are only four and a half out of the wild card, so it's not like, you know. Yeah. Again, it's not like we picked. I'm decently comfortable. The Phillies. I'm decently comfortable um, saying that I got that one wrong. I'm not very confident that they are going to turn it around. But yeah, you you set it up like we did so terribly, but I think we did okay. <laughs> Well, should we talk about our World Series picks, or should we save that for later? Because we do need to get to who we think is actually going to win the wild card spots this year. Um, so let's let's just do that. We'll we'll leave the World Series predictions till when the playoffs happen. <laughs> yeah, last we have something. Last chances look foolish. That sounds that sounds wise. All right, so let's start in the American League. So currently. The wild card teams right now are uh, the Red Sox and the Orioles. They are uh, that Boston's only a half a game behind Toronto though for the East. So the Blue Jays are uh, yeah definitely in that discussion as well. Yeah. So my question to you is, does the AL East put two teams in the wild card, or does Seattle or Detroit um, or someone mm-hmm. else sneak in and steal that last spot? Seattle is a very interesting team. They were a team that was hovering around 500 at the trade deadline, and they didn't really do anything. And they've kind of, the last three weeks, have had quite the surge here to put them uh, where they're 10 over and a game back of the wild card. With that said, I just I don't have a ton of confidence in them overtaking um, those three AL East teams. You know, it could definitely happen. Um, I just, the Manners, there's just not a, you know, they're a pretty well-rounded team and the fact that their offense is definitely much better than it has been in the past. But outside of Felix, who is not the ace that he once was, um, their pitching is not one that can, I think, make a, a big run uh, or be able to keep up with uh, those other two teams, because you know, I I look at those other two teams, you know, with or the I look at all the AL teams, the um, Red Sox, Orioles, and Blue Jays, and see three really really good offenses um, and <laughs> three pretty average pitching staffs. So I guess I see I I have more confidence in those offenses sustaining what they have um, to the finish here. But they do have the factor that they all are going to be playing each other a lot because they're in the same division. So I just kind of contradicted my whole argument. <laughs> with Maybe that is going to be to their detriment. But I want to see the Mariners for a couple more weeks here sustain this before I would be confident saying that they have a really, like, that I would say I picked them to win one of the wild card spots. I think it would be really cool if they did. I can't remember the last time they were in the playoffs. It's been a while. Yeah, so you're you're going to stick with some combination of Toronto, Boston, and Baltimore in in the wild card and then the AL East um slot. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I I I'm still picking sticking with my Red Sox pick. 
just because the the Blue Jays are dealing with one of their best starting pitchers, Aaron San- Sanchez. Is they're definitely running into an innings quandary with him because he's he hasn't pitched that much. He's really young. That's a big like part of their rotation that is kind of kind of being flux here the last six weeks. Whereas I see the Red Sox being able to throw more resources, I see Price improving a little bit to where I think just that margin was going to push them over the top. So I guess at the, you know today I would say it would be a, a Blue Jays Orioles wild card game, which will be fun to watch. Yes, the fight of the birds. My question would be, if you're the Orioles, who do you pitch in that game, if you can choose? I have no idea. Even, yeah, that's the point. Like, <laughs> their rotation. I don't, think I, could, I don't think I could name a starting pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles right now. You want me to, I'll read you their rotation at the moment. Give me one second. And you, you can pick one of those guys. Who you would think. Okay. So their uh, their ace is Chris Tillman. Okay, I know that name. Uh, Kevin Galsman. Don't know him. Giovanni Gallardo. Oh, really? Gross. He's still in the league. He's terrible. Yeah. Dylan Bundy and Wade Miley. Okay, I I know Dylan Bundy just because it's a funny name. So Giovanni Gallardo's stats right now: five eighteen ERA, one point six one WHIP. <laughs> Yeah, let's start him. That sounds like a great idea. So they signed him this offseason and lost a comp pick for him. So they didn't get a pick in the first round. That was awful. That was so stupid. Desperate times, man. Desperate times. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you got to start Tillman, I would imagine. I think so, too, just because he, he's the vet of that. Galsman and Bundy have some really good stuff, but they are so young. Bundy has been so injury prone. And this is the first like fully healthy season he's had in 3-4 years, but that's tough to trot him out in a one game playoff. Yeah, I feel like you got to go Chris Tillman. He's been okay, 3.76 ERA, 1.27 whip. But nothing. Yeah, he's definitely not an ace. That's where I was just like, man, if Baltimore had a couple ace-like starting pitchers, and they would be they would be scary. Props to them for being in the playoff hunt with that rotation though. It's really impressive. Yeah, no joke. I feel like if you're the Blue Jays, you probably have to go Marcus Stroman in that game. If it all lines up like it should. Well we shall see. For all sure. right. Hopping over to the National League. Currently, the wild card spots belong to the Los Angeles Baseball Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Although, again, we have uh, a half a game separating two teams, that being the Giants and the Dodgers. So that division can go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, with one of those teams, you know, most likely definitely being in the wild card. Um, but you also have Miami that's a game and a half out. We've talked about already. Pittsburgh's two games out. And then you've got the Mets at four and a half. But you've already said you're not confident that the Mets are going to make a push. The Marlins are dealing with some injuries. And Pittsburgh's been rather blase all season. So, mm-hmm. my question to you, sir. How does the wild card race stack up in the National League? 
when the season is said and done, who's in that one game playoff? I think it's going to happen like it is today. I think the Giants pitching staff is, they've been much more healthy and consistent. The Dodgers have just been kind of, in the last two games, the Reds have faced uh, Brett Anderson. And then, oh, who did they face the game before that? Um, I just watched it. But it was, a, I mean, both those guys, pretty much everyone on their staff has just been dealing with some sort of injury. I think they're leading the league in guys uh, on the DL, like DL service time. It's been kind of crazy. But and they've, they traded for Rich Hill, if you remember, at the trade deadline. He still hasn't pitched for them. <laughs> Kershaw is slowly making him his way back. Oh, it was Bud Norris two days ago. So, so yeah, in their rotation right now, they've got uh, Kenta Maeda, who's pretty good, Scott Casimir, um, Bud Norris, and Brett Anderson. And then Urias is pitching him from today, which you can't really count. He's only 20. So they just their pitching staff is so disgusting. I don't know how they've been doing as well as they have lately, but I trust, all that to say, I trust, you know, a rotation of Bumgarner, Cueto, Samarja, uh, Matt Moore to kind of come together this last six weeks and pull away much more than I do of what the Dodgers are throwing out there. Um, and just because of what you said about the other teams, I, I expect the Cardinals to kind of hold on to that last spot. So, Dodgers Cardinals wildcard game. I feel like that's probably the the Dodgers' worst nightmare. They've, I think the Cardinals have beaten them the last three playoffs. Or eliminated them. So, if you're the Dodgers, you got to pray that Kershaw's back. But even then, the Cardinals have kind of had his number, especially in the playoffs. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. I just. Losing to the Cardinals that many times would just that would ruin my day. It's a, it's one of those weird. Like I've experienced them in football as a Colts fan versus the Patriots. It's, there's just certain teams, and especially in the postseason, that it just seems like things never go your way. There's this sense of dread whenever you play them. That has to be the Dodgers' feelings against the the Cardinals. But man, the Cardinals are. I don't know how they're doing it. They're just, I just don't see it. Talent on that team is not comparative to especially the the Nationals Cubs in my mind in the National League. Yeah. Well, some teams just get it done. Yeah. So as a fan, you know, I've, it's baseball. Any of these wildcard teams can make a run and make the World Series, it's not like a, um, I liken it to hockey, like, the eight seed has a much better chance of, you know, as compared to college basketball, like, most of the time, you know, those, those higher seeds, you, you pick to win in baseball, anything could happen, wild cards make the playoffs all the time, but, um, much more in the American League, that can happen, in the, in the National League, I just feel like, the Nationals and Cubs have really set themselves apart. So as a fan, I mean, that would be a lot of, that National League, the NLCS would be a lot of fun to watch between the Nationals and Cubs. 
Yeah, I feel like there'd be a lot of a lot of good baseball in that series. And and trying to predict the American League playoffs would just be impossible. Like I wouldn't even try. Because I could see anything happen. Like, I look at all those teams, and there's, you know, if it's the those three AL East teams, the Indians and Rangers, like, those are five pretty good teams. I could see anything happening in a series. But it would be fun to watch, you know? It's fun when you don't know what's going to happen. Indeed. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of episode 18, Nick. What do you think? Yeah, it's good to get back on the bike again. Uh, looking forward to finishing the season out strong. Yes, should be a fun end to the season. Lots of tight wild card races to watch, and then some quality, hopefully, playoff baseball. So, until next time, uh, you can, if you'd like. That was that was not English. What I just said. <laughs> it was like. Totally incomplete sentence. Uh, show notes can be found supermegacorp.net slash Mendoza slash 18. You can get Nick on Twitter at Coatsy, C-O-A-T-S-I-E-E. I'm at Cam Brennan, and then you can email us hello at supermegacorp if you have anything that you would like to discuss. Or if you just want us to say hi in the show to you, you can do that too. Yeah, we We're would, not above shout-outs. We would love to, to have some interaction. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love it. I love interaction. I was like, uh, all right, give us friends. We need friends. <laughs> and on that really sad note, we're going to end the episode. Bye. See ya.